How's it going, everybody? My name is Austin Kiergaard, and today I'm with Joe Klemzeski and Kevin Brunacini, and this is the Flexible Dieting Podcast. Uh, today, we're going to talk to you guys about how to navigate uh, your flexible dieting lifestyle through your life. How, how, where is the arc of flexible dieting, and, and how can we start the process, and once we get to where we want to do go with our results, once we achieve our results, where do we go from there? Uh, so, Joe, I'll kind of start with you. You've been doing this longer and probably total of Kevin and I combined. So um, in your experience, when you first started coaching people through flexible lighting, what did you do and what have you done now? It's funny. I was waiting for you to say like, you've been doing this for a thousand years, Joe, tell us all about it. How did, how did you help Abraham Lincoln with his flexible dieting? Um, <laughs> so, you know, in the beginning, when I was really just getting started, it was to reverse engineer those needs. Um, I'm in school, I'm doing all kinds of physiological application to my life as a bodybuilder. And I thought, okay, how much protein do I need? How much this? I was looking at these meal plans and Mr. Olympia would do this. And so-and-so author and Flex Magazine would say this. And I was really trying to verify that academically and scientifically. So it, it was absolutely reverse engineering into a meal plan. So if I know I wanted this much protein, this much carbohydrate, this much fat for my body composition goals, how am I going to break that down? And if I could go to Costco and get a case of tuna, you know, that may be two of my meals. And if I'm going to bulk cook some chicken breast on the weekend, so I have it during, you know, between classes during the week, I would do that. So that to me is very, very specific and accurate and objective so that I didn't have to worry. That's that's meal prep city. Once I kind of evolved into, hey, I got this, I know this language of nutrition, I would honestly just start keeping track on, I, I would have one little sticky note in my pocket for the day. And I'd be like, okay, I ate half a cup of oatmeal and half a cup of blueberries and a scoop of protein powder for breakfast. So I'd write down the macros. I, I had three charts, protein, carbs, and fat. And then I would I would kind of go through the day and like, okay, how much do I have left for dinner or the rest of my meals? Am I am I pacing myself accurately? So you you're you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants in that that last example, or you're really being rigid, dare I say. Flexible dieting is supposed to be the answer to rigid meal plan dieting. But honestly, we're just kind of shifting the rigidity over to numbers. And that's where you have to be careful. It's like, you know, am I still being too autocratic with my methodology? Am I putting too much pressure on myself? Or am I really enjoying both structure and flexibility? No, I, I really like that. Um, Kevin, I know you've got quite a story um, personally um, and also with your clinical background. How did you approach your 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 personal journey with flexible dieting to where you're at now? And, and have you seen that being... Uh, have been implemented all into like a clinical setting. By trade, I'm very analytical. So my personal experience has been quite that. I, much like what Joe has said, I I would reverse engineer my personal nutrition. And to me, it's like solving a puzzle. It's just whatever's remaining, I can I can just allocate my meal or you know uh, modify the the serving size to hit what I want more or less and we move on. My day's my day's done. Um, when it comes to cl uh, clinical client needs, clearly it's a lot more. It can be more. It is more nuanced for once, but it can be more convoluted just because you're dealing with their preferences. Much like we've mentioned in a previous episode, you know, 
understanding their their needs and their values are just as important than anything else. So what are those? Because we have to respect them in order to hopefully create sustainability ultimately. But they're, what doesn't make it easier is their needs will likely change day to day, which is why rigidity in terms of traditional diet plans is not often the best because when they don't, when they are not in the mood for peas, what are they, what are they going to do to exchange that for something else? And that's where flexible dieting comes into play to make it practical because your needs will change. And therefore you, you roll with the changes, you adapt, you modify what you based on what you want within the context of everything else. But um, it's hard to convey that to, to clients at first. Um, I don't don't know if this will necessarily answer the question directly, but I give the disclaimer to clients that logging itself is a tool. It's not meant to be forever. And I I feel this more or less, you know, uh, answers the, the arcing question here is that they need to understand that it's just, it's a means to an end, not a way to live necessarily. Self-monitoring is very important for sustainability principles, but within that is a continuum. We have to understand when to dial it up, when we can dial it down based on the context of the goal, lifestyle, shifting in priorities for whatever reason. And that's where, again, flexible dieting comes into play to be practical because you can choose to make it more intense, if you will, less intense based on everything and still cruise and be healthy, make achieve maintenance, et cetera. And that's the lottery we're all aiming for. But um, I'll stop there. The, the clinical side of things of, you know, have I, um, as far as studies, um, I'm sure this could be a later episode where I talk about the, my project, my doctorate project, what I did and how that kind of helps answer that, uh, or at least opens the gate for future stuff of what we can go about that. But I'll, I'll table that for another time. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's great. I think it's a topic that we definitely need to bring up in future episodes. Um, from both of you, the the big thing that I kind of gathered was context, context and the situation between the the client or the patient. Uh, I know in my personal experience, when I'm working with someone to get ready for like the stage, uh, I have that same conversation with them. Like this is a, a journey. This is a temporary journey. Um, but to give the listeners uh, an example, so they kind of have something to kind of relate to, like if I if I have a, a mom that's wanting to lose thirty pounds or a bikini athlete wanting to get ready for a stage, you know, we first have to set some timeline, right? Like, okay, we're going to start here and we're going to try to have an end end goal here. But now that we've gotten to the end goal, we've lost thirty pounds, we're just about to step on the stage, or we've already stepped on the stage. What do we do now? Do we continuously track? Do we always do this? Uh, I think there are certain situations that a person should uh, track their macros after such journey temporarily, but then, you know, obviously it's uh, it's a tool as both of you have said, and there is some rigidity to it. So is that something that somebody can do for the rest of life? Can they track for the rest of life? I think that brings down some questioning of, is that something that you mentally can do for the rest of your life? Or is it something where can you take a break from that and, and just eat healthy maybe a little bit more loosely within that. So Joe, I want to throw this back to you and your experience. What are some situations that you feel that somebody should continue to track after their journey or kind of loosen up the reins a little bit, still eat nutritious, nutrient-dense foods, but maybe not tracking? 
It's such a great question. And and I think everybody gets to a place where they never thought they would go because a lot of people from a personality psychology perspective, they think I love tracking. I'm analytical. Like Kevin said, I'm, I'm a database person. And so I'm just gonna do this forever. But after a while, you just get tired of it. It gets very, very boring. And you do feel a little bit more of the pressure of rigidity, especially if you don't need to. Then you have the other side of the, of the crowd, and that is, you know, there's a big movement toward, quote, intuitive eating. And that sounds great in theory, and I think intuitive eating is fantastic once you've learned the language of nutrition, which is tracking with some accuracy, because then your intuition is calibrated better. I have a lot of people who think, well, I'm, I don't want to track macros. I don't want to weigh. Like, that's a thing now. Everybody's been in that circle at some point. And so they finally say, I just don't want to do it that way this time. And then they just don't lose. Because intuitive eating is listening to hunger cues. It's eating the foods you like in the amounts that, that you need. And of course, if that's still going to be aligned with your health values and goals, it's a little bit tougher to shift toward that goal of weight loss and not have the objectivity. It's like saying, well, I'm going to drive to San Francisco. I, the sun's over there. So I think that's West. I'm going to point my car West and, and hope you get there. Like, yeah, you may not, you may get to Phoenix instead. You may, you know, may get to Seattle. You, you went West, but you didn't quite hit the mark. So I think you still need to use macro based tracking as a tool when you need it, but aim for the goal for maintenance and long-term eating of saying, okay, I've, I've learned how to ride this bike. I don't need that lesson again. I've learned how to play this instrument. I don't need lessons any longer. So I can be intuitive, but I know what that means for me. I, I know how much food and the quality of foods that, that really will keep me here. And I think that's at least the, the soft landing to shoot for. No, that's great. Kevin, I kind of want to throw the, the question to you as well with uh, with people that you have worked with. Uh, where where have you started them and where are they at now? Or do you have anybody that has done flexible dieting that's currently not and still seeing some results? And if so, like, why do you think that is? I'm trying to think of long term there have. I have probably a good mix of clients over the years that they do eventually stop logging tracking. Um, whether it's kind of my, my encouragement or it's just something they take upon themselves, but they understand the pros and cons of making that decision. There's, you know, there's some, there is increased social flexibility, but you have less accuracy. Therefore, if you just need, as two examples, you just need to be mindful about that. Cause if, if it continues that way for some time and you notice weight to creep up over time, then, you know, it, something you, you need to have a buffer buffer a uh, tipping point to know if that's the case when to rein it back if it's more objectivity then as a simple execution step then that is pretty simple rather than you know is it something you know behavioral that I need to be thinking of or be mindful about and it's easy to get lost in the weeds at that point but when it comes to objectivity it it takes that guessing game out it's a matter of simply too much or too little whatever's going on but um so with with that said, self-monitoring at any, at, at whatever level in terms of intensity, um, and it doesn't have to be traditional logging like we tend to encourage clients to do. It's just any type of self-monitoring, whether it's mindful or true objectivity, a pen and paper, spreadsheets, et cetera. Again, is a continuum of how you want to look at it, but self-monitoring nonetheless is creating that awareness and hopefully you're, it's in 
congruent with your health values to now say, what's my next step? What is the best thing I need to do right now and decide upon? And that should hopefully, whether it's maintenance, weight loss, weight, weight gain, it should hopefully take you one step further or forward to where you want to be. Otherwise, if we're not mindful, even if we are mindful, but we neglect to take accountability, then that's where we get these these outcomes of just of no action or just not hitting the mark that we're hoping. So hopefully, hopefully that helps answer, but I'll throw it back to you, Austin. Yeah, no, I, I, that, you, that's, uh, again, you both hit on really great points is it's, it's kind of putting the ball in, in the individual's court uh, and having that question or um, what are you comfortable with after the fact? Um, like, so I'll use the, the bodybuilding and uh, some general population individuals I work with. We get them to lose weight, 20, 30, 40 pounds. I always express that it's important to do a reverse process, which we can talk to in future episodes. Uh, but the pers- purpose of that reverse process is to ensure that they don't go off the rails and ruin that progress. I don't know how many times and how many years I've been doing this for people like I've lost this amount of weight, but I gained it all back. So kind of trying to find a way to say, okay, let's kind of slowly add some food back in so you can get into a healthy uh, maintenance state. And then we'll have that conversation of if you don't want to track anymore, that's fine. We can do some sort of intuitive eating. Hopefully by that point to to what Joe was saying is you've kind of learned that intuitive cue with yourself. Uh, But then I also personally, I like to give clients, even if they stop working with me after a certain time, some information. If you're going to do some intuitive eating, let's try to focus on a couple of things. Make sure you're still getting enough adequate protein. To your point, Kevin, it's kind of like a loose base tracking. It's it's okay. I know that uh, having a piece of meat the size of a deck of cards is three ounces. Okay, great. I'm going to use that as my rule of thumb when I'm going out to eat or doing something. Uh, I know that I should try to get between 25 and 38 grams of fiber in a day. So maybe when I'm eating, I'm choosing higher fiber food sources from fruits, vegetables, grains, and it's staying within like three to five grams for every meal. To me, that allows them to kind of still focus on important things. I like to make sure my clients focus on getting enough protein and fiber in at the very least um, and watching those uh, unhealthy saturated fats. So, you know, you can do that intuitively to both of your points after you've learned like true portion control, what things look like. And and that could be a potential way to maintain those results. So uh, I think you guys brought some fantastic points and hopefully for uh, everybody listening, this kind of gives them some direction on like, where to go next after they've done their flexible dieting journey. So um, I'm looking forward to the next episode that we've got, and I know our listeners will. So be sure to tune in and we will see everybody on the next episode of the Flexible Dieting Podcast. 